have another hand for our Kids Town Singers. <laughs> that is my favorite part of Kids Town Singers. That's awesome. Um, I think next year, what do you think, crowd, to make it just a little bit more over the top, what if our Kids Town staff sang with them next time? That's what I'm upset with, yeah. <laughs> Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Chase. It's good to see the house full this morning. You must have heard the connections pastor was preaching. <laughs> Actually, I got scheduled for this because I'm assuming that nobody wants to follow that up. And uh, actually, online, welcome as well. If you're online, we have a host, especially on Facebook, which is our lead pastor because he's not feeling well. So feel free to talk to our lead pastor online this morning. Crowd, you got me about the Prince of Peace. That's what we're closing with in our series on Advent. What's in a name? Prince of Peace. Before we dive in, let's pray. Bow with me. Heavenly Father God, as we gather in the house this morning, we ask that you be with us. As we dive into the word, we ask that it sit on our hearts and we marinate on it. God, we ask that as we take the word out, that we do it with humility and trust in you. God, we're so thankful for all the little ones we are blessed with in this church, with all the families we are blessed with. As we get to see just children shouting out worship praises to their God who they trust and believe in, the Almighty who is you. God, what a blessing. We pray this all in your name this morning. Amen. All right, as I said, we're closing out our Advent series, What's in a Name with Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. When, when uh, Jason assigned these texts out, as, as Dan opened with Wonderful Counselor, and in the, the last two weeks, Jason's dove into, you know, Everlasting Father and Mighty God, I got assigned Prince of Peace, and I'm sitting here wondering why. You know, I get it. Dan's getting Wonderful Counselor. It makes total sense to me. You know, gentle Ben, I get it. Cool, all right. Wonderful Counselor he is. And then the last two weeks, Jason, then I get Prince of Peace. Peace is not something that I am greatly known for. So I'm going to call on God to help me with this message this morning, and that's what we're hoping happens. But no, I get it, because peace is about having trust, trust in God. And so that's the angle we're going to talk about today and take as we dive into that what is in the name Prince of Peace. So as we dive in this morning, the one scripture we're going to start with is the scripture that's been like the key focal point of this message. All these names have been prophesied by Isaiah in the, in the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9. As you go there, if you got your Bible, that's great. Online, the scripture will be on the screen. But if you use your phones, if you use the app, just click on Isaiah at the top. And then the three letters you're going to click on for the version today is ESV, is that's what I preach from. It's the English Standard Version. And that's where we're going to be is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When we hear that name, Prince of Peace, we have to define a couple things in that name. So let's go ahead and start with the one that we automatically go to. What is peace? 
What is peace? And actually, most of you, when you think, what is peace, we see a couple images maybe. And I have a couple images I want to show that the tech team designed for me. Maybe you're saying, man, when I am on the beach, I am at peace. For me, that's probably the closest thing to Hades, but that's whatever. <laughs> maybe, but that's your peace. Maybe that's okay. Or maybe you're a little bit more like me and the mountains is your peace. Talking about what a 13er looks like in real life. And getting on the trail, maybe that is your peace. Can I get an amen? All right, bunch of people like the beach in here. All right. <laughs> maybe your next one is this. Maybe you like just sitting and just casting the line. I want to fish. I want to sit there and just talk and just do nothing. Just cast a line. I will say that fishing is not my greatest hobby. As you know, I like to fidget and move. I guess fish know that too. But maybe that's where you find your peace. The last one is um, the, the tech team actually put in themselves of what they see as peace. Maybe it's around a fire, a campfire. I made a comment earlier. I'm like, that ain't marshmallows. I'm like, that's bratwurst, man. That's awesome. Maybe that's your peace. Sitting around the fire, pulling out the Johnsonville bratwurst and just going at it. That's awesome. But what is peace Really? So we need to ask that question, what is peace? Well, as you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a word that's commonly used in the Old Testament with peace, and that word that you probably have heard before is the word shalom. And that word shalom means not just peace, even though in English that's what we've made it to say, it means make it good, restore, fulfill. Because maybe that's true peace, to make something good, restore, or fulfill. And so when Isaiah is talking about this person who will come, this baby, this Jesus that will come, who will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. So as Isaiah says it this way, 9, 6, and 7, we already read the first verse, for us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, when I dive into the scripture, and as each of us do, we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. And the first question we need to ask is, okay, we get it. Isaiah's a prophet. We learned that in Kidstown. But why is he prophesying this? What's going on? And the first thing we need to know about what's going on in Isaiah's time is there's this king on the scene. But before we dive into that, we've preached this several times from this stage. The people of Israel have this awesome cycle they get caught in. They love God. Sin. God delivers them over. And they call out to God for repentance. And what's happening right now is Israel yet again is circling that drain. And a king just came on the scene, and this king's name is Ahaz. Uzziah, the king before him, was okay, but kind of flamed out at the end. And Ahaz is on the scene starting in Isaiah 6. And what's going on? is to the north, 
There's this, this empire called the Assyrian Empire who are brutal people who worship false gods, who are doing rapid land expansion by taking over countries to their south. And Ahaz is upset with his other neighbors and considers, hey, you know what? We should just go ahead and bend the knee to the Assyrians. And Isaiah came to him and said, hey, what sign do you need from God to know this is a bad idea? And, I, and Ahaz doesn't listen at all. And what happens is this. They submit to the Assyrian Empire. And then all the images of God are gone and replaced with pagan gods. Worship to God is not happening in the temple. People are thrown into slavery and led out of Israel. For those of you that love fun facts of scripture, one thing that I do know is when the Assyrian Empire, when they conquered other nations, when they took on those captives, they actually put a nose piercing in, a huge ring right here, and that's how they let them out. Brings a whole new definition of nose piercing for you. And this is what this king has done. And so this is why Isaiah is prophesying this. Is hold fast. Something's coming. Something better is coming. A wonderful counselor, an everlasting father, a mighty God, and a prince of peace. And let's be honest, at this time, in this nation of Israel, they would be wanting peace. Because all they've known right now for this generation is conflict. But church... Maybe that's something we should note. Peace is most often found in times of conflict. Do we understand that? Do we get that? Peace is most often found in times of conflict. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, post-World War II, we called it what? Peacetime. And that didn't last long. In our own lives, with our souls that are at war, we find that something brings it peace. And we know we need peace. We don't have that peace until we understand who Jesus is. Peace is most often found in times of conflict. Maybe that's because when we seek it. We seek out peace because of times of conflict. And then all of a sudden, it starts to make sense why God was operating in the old covenant like he was operating. They obeyed, then they disobeyed. Then he let them be handed over and they called out to God. Maybe all this is a reminder that we have a need. It's a great need. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That in him is talking about Jesus, the fullness of God, to reconcile himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. What we need to understand is this, Christ brings peace between humanity and God. That's the major point of the gospel. Christ brings peace between all humanity and God. Why? Because we were in need. Because of our sinful nature and how much we sin, we are in need of something. 
Because we know that light can have no part of darkness. We know that God cannot be around that. So he sent his son. And that's what Isaiah 9 is prophesying, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as this prince of peace. So we talk about that word peace, but here's where the word prince comes in. Because Christ is the one who intercedes for us with the one act of the cross and the resurrection. You might be like, hey, Chase, I thought this was Christmas. You're talking about the cross. Well, guys, that's what makes Christmas so great. What makes Christmas so awesome about this prophesied child from God that is coming, his son, is because what happened 30 or 33 years later. Because without the cross, I don't think we'd celebrate much at Christmas. So he comes as the prince to intercede for us, the prince of peace. So what do we do with that? Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot in there. And I think I need to focus on a couple things from that passage today. Number one is this. The Lord is at hand. Church, do we know that? Do we know that God is still on the throne? Do we trust in his word that he sent his son, Jesus Christ? Do we know that? Because as we celebrate Christmas and we maybe get around with family members and talk about what we always talk about is memories of the last year or two or childhood memories. Let's be honest. If we were to play the ESPN highlight reel for 2020 and 2021, I don't know how awesome that looks. And maybe when we get around together this Christmas, it's just that, man, we love each other. Because we don't know what the future holds as we've seen these last couple years. But in light of those last couple years, do we remember that the Lord is at hand? Because Paul follows that up with, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, when I read that from Paul, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Those are one of those quotes that I look at and said, man, that's easier said than done. Don't be anxious about anything. We read that in Scripture, like, man, that's just a passing thought. No one's going to attain that. Who's my worriers in here? Anybody? Who worries? All right. Maybe second service is those people. That's fine. <laughs> I get it. Holier crowd, I like it. All right. But anxiety is crippling. And from this pastor to you guys, I understand that. It is crippling. But what brings that anxiety on? And now hear me out. I get it. We have legitimate anxious things to be anxious about. There's consequences, circumstances. Understand completely. Also understand the, the problem with chemical imbalance in the brain. Totally understand that. 
But with all that in our minds, we need to remember that the Lord is still on the throne. And that's why Paul leads with that. So don't be anxious. God's got it at hand. And I guess what I mean by that is, I guess as humans, we just assume that God is surprised by things. That like, man, the year 2021 ended, and God was like, man, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, I, I think that's how we feel sometimes. When we get super anxious about something, it's like, man, God must have been caught off guard. And really what it is is, hey, I got this. Okay, I can put my faith in that. But if we take it one step further, it's this. You got this. Just trust this. That turn to me in prayer. Remember the things to be thankful for. Because I'm sure there are many. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Knowing that God's in control gives me some comfort. It just does. And I think that's what we have to understand when we talk about this word peace and this prince of peace that God sent in Jesus. Is because if we truly put our faith in that, you know, little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus came. A couple people caught the movie reference. I love it. <laughs> and then went to the cross for our salvation, if we hold on to that, that starts to make some worries go down the chain a little bit. That starts to make some fears go down a little bit. If we keep that at the forefront of our mind. So yes, the first like 15 minutes of this message, I literally could have said just fix your eyes on heaven and called it a day. But I think we need to unpack it. And then as we as human people, especially in our American culture, there's times we think, man, no one's ever had it worse than us. This is awful. I get it. A lot of us 30 years ago would never have thought we would be where we're at today. Amen? Some of you more than 30 years ago, but I can't go back that far with you, say, man, I never thought this would be this bad. Well, when Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, this is a town under a Roman garrison. So when he says to them, you're going to get peace which surpasses all understanding and it will guard your hearts, they completely understand what it means, will guard. Because they can't go anywhere without seeing a Roman soldier. They've pretty much lost their homeland. And Paul's saying, peace which surpasses all understanding? What's he saying? Church, I hope you know that the promise we have is that peace that surpasses all understanding. And we have that through the prince of peace who Isaiah prophesied about. So, we had the prophet Isaiah, what he gives us about the prince of peace coming. We've seen what Paul says about how Jesus is that bridge and how, hey, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. So I'm going down the line here. Now let's see what Jesus says. John 16, starting in verse 31, says this. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it is come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. 
I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now I get it. This message that Jesus is giving is for his apostles as the time is coming when Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's telling them there will be a time when you're scattered. We know that's true because we see how the 12 had left where they were at in Jerusalem and we saw the gospel spread because of that persecution. But he said to them, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Man, I need that. Peace isn't my doing. I have it because I have Jesus. I hope we grasp that this morning, church. And, and for those of you that might be like, hey, I have no idea what this dude's talking about. I just came here to watch some kids sing. All right? Let me talk to you for a second because I love that you're here and I'm glad that you're here to see a kid sing. All right? You can find peace. I understand your world might be turned upside down. You might be in a job that you can't stand. You might be dealing with an issue that has been politicized that we just can't put our minds around and come together in unity on. You, you might be dealing with people just railing on you all the time because of a belief you have or a personal opinion you have. But what I'm telling you is there is a peace in this. And it is through Jesus. Because I think what's brought us the most disunity and the most problem to peace is this. We actually think we're that smart. We actually think that we're in control of every circumstance. We actually think we as human people have the power, the foreknowledge to do whatever we want to do. And church, what I'm telling you is this. You're the ones that have the answer. Because you know that we're not that smart. You know that there's a creator at hand. You know that there's somebody that we serve who's a mighty God, an everlasting father, a wonderful counselor that gives guidance and peace, who's the prince of it. And so many people need to hear that message this Christmas season. Because Advent's about this time of waiting. Maybe that's what they've been waiting on, is someone to say, hey, I get it. I'm going to say something. I'll probably get ridiculed for it later. I get it. Is there any kids in here? Okay. This sucks. But there's Jesus. I get it. This life is horrible. You don't feel like you can go anywhere. But there's Jesus. Maybe that's the Christmas message we need to hear. That the Prince of Peace has come to restore us. Did you hear it? Restore. Make full. Fulfill. The shalom. Because church, maybe this is the aspect we've forgotten. The peace we seek is rooted in the fact that God has done exactly what God said he would do. That's a big statement. The peace we seek is rooted in the fact that God has done exactly what God said he would do. Maybe the fact that we don't have peace is because we lack trust. Because for some reason, we assume that peace means the absence of problems. That ain't peace. Peace means you have understanding. 
that God is in control and that it's okay. And what we need to trust in church is that we need to trust that God will fulfill his promises. We know that from Hebrews 10 because Hebrews 10 strictly tells us that God is trustworthy because of his promises. Have we forgot the promise that was fulfilled in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham? Have we forgotten the promise to Moses in the wilderness? Have we forgotten the promise to Noah? Have we forgotten the promise to Daniel that I will pluck you out of the fiery furnace? Have we forgotten how powerful God is? I think we have. And because he's all-powerful and all-knowing and anywhere, we can trust in him and that can give us peace so I get it life can be hard but how do we grasp that I want to tell you a story this story is a well known story and as we sing songs there's a song that I want to talk about this morning you ever heard that song, When Peace Like a River Attends My Soul? When sorrows like sea billows roll? You ever heard that song, It Is Well With My Soul? Let me tell you the background of that song. You've probably heard this before. It's used a lot. A guy by the name of Horatio who wrote the lyrics, not the music for it. Had a family, was in Chicago, lived in Chicago, was a lawyer, also dealt with real estate. And then all of a sudden... The Chicago Fire of 1817 happens and completely takes away every piece of wealth he has. Also in that same year, he loses a child to scarlet fever. His son, in fact. So with all that in mind, Horatio's like, I don't know what to do. My family's in distress. What can I do? And he decides to send them on vacation. That's what they're going to need. We need to get our minds off of this and just refocus. So he sends his wife and the rest of his children on a ship to England. And while they're crossing the Atlantic, that ship goes down. And every one of his other children die. And his wife is left. And he gets word from his wife when she gets in England. What happened? What do I do now? And he jumps on the next ship, and he heads that way. And as they're coming to a point, the captain's heard his story. The captain says, hey, this is around the general area where this has happened. And as he's probably, you know, leaning overboard of looking at the water, here's where these lyrics start to come into his soul. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows, sea billows roll, Whatever the cost, it is well with my soul. I wish, we, I wish I could say that, man, that's how I would respond. Probably not. And that's okay. Because none of us know exactly what that full grief probably feels like. Some of you in here might have lost a child, and I can't even imagine the grief. And I know the holidays make that harder. But I say this to you. There's nothing that can fill that void but God. I hope we know that. So church, when we talk about what is peace, because there's so much stress and anxiety and fear in here, the only thing that is going to start working on that 
is knowing that God is in control and he sent his Prince of Peace, who is Jesus, to restore us. So as we talk about Advent in this time of waiting, we talked about Isaiah 9 and what was going on with the people of Isaiah and why this was prophesied. And I get it. You might be like, hey, Chase, they didn't have Jesus. You're right. We actually might, we are on the other side of the cross from them, but now it's our turn to wait. Because yes, the Savior has come. Jesus came. Jesus went to the cross. So what are we waiting on? A church? What we're waiting on is come, Lord Jesus, come again. Some of you might pray that daily. I don't know. So the question now becomes is, how do we wait? How do we wait? Our eyes fully fixed on heaven. That could be a way. And endurance. Restoration and reconciling of relationships. Holidays are a good time to have those conversations. Maybe the one relationship you need to talk about first with yourself is, what does my relationship with my Heavenly Father look like? And I get it. We all started somewhere. So for those of you that might have came for the first time to church because you had a kid singing, all right, that's awesome. Better than my reason for going to church the first time. I was drugged by my grandparents, and I didn't want to go to church, and then I'm like, hey, that girl looks awesome. I'm going now. <laughs> so at least you came for a kid. That's okay. Because Jesus meets us where we are. No matter what despair we're in. No matter what hurt we're in. So what do we do? How do we wait? Well, believers, let me talk to you first. You call yourself believers? We wait a certain way. We chase after this fact that we want to be as Christ-like as possible. A goal that Paul says that he will never attain, and so we won't either. But we work on it. And how do we do that? Well, first off, we recognize our sin. As a pastor that gets up here and preaches to you, let me tell you something. This dude sins. My hope is this, that the sin I have is repentant sin. That's my hope, is that I know I'm going to sin. I'm probably going to sin tomorrow. I might sin during the Packers game if it doesn't go well today. I don't know. But the key is that I have to humble myself and realize that, man, I am flawed. And I am in need of this Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace. Because he brings peace from my wrongdoing and makes me righteous in the eyes of God. The holidays as we wait, if that's not the relationship you've got to work on, maybe the one you need to work on is, man, i got a family member i got to talk to, or i got a friend i got to talk to. Because maybe you've had a moment where you just said some things you shouldn't have said or did some things you shouldn't have did. Guess what? Everyone in this room has done that. And if they tell you they haven't, they're a liar. I have done that. 
There's been times I've said things I, I shouldn't say. I'm a very passionate person. So therefore, sometimes this goes way further than this. And that's not okay. But the key is I have to look back and say, okay, here's my fault. Here's me admitting I'm wrong. And here's me trying to be humble and try to learn from that. And for me to do that, because I'm a stubborn person, I put people in my life around me that kick me when I'm down. And say, hey, you better. Because I need that. I need a kick in the pants sometimes. So maybe that's what you need to hear is that I need to restore this and I need to have peace with my brother or sister in Christ or my brother and sister biologically. Lastly, I say this. Our hope, this whole series about what's in a name is that you know who the God we serve is. That you know the greatness and the goodness of God from the good news of his gospel and that he wants to be with you and that you can find peace in him no matter how weary your soul is and I get it, we're weary we are so, so weary so what I say to you today is this may you find God wherever you're at and shalom to you May you find restoration, may you be filled, and may you find peace this Christmas season. Let's pray. May Father God, as we just are here this morning as broken people, God, we ask that you be with us. God, we are all flawed and sinful, me included. I ask you to take those sins from me. I know that Jesus was nailed on a tree because of my flaws and failures and the ones in this room because we've turned to some things we shouldn't turn to, done some things we shouldn't do. And as we celebrate this Christmas season as the coming of baby Jesus that was prophesied about and a promise that you fulfilled is going to the cross, may we find peace that he is at your right hand as you sit on the throne still today because we serve an amazing God. So when we ask ourselves this question, what's in a name? For us as your people, it's everything because you are who you say you are. And we pray this in your name, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.